The iPhone XR takes the top spot for smartphone camera, the Roku versus the Fire TV, and a new trivia app helps you win some cash. What's going on? I'm Rich Demiro. This is Rich on Tech coming at you with the longer version of the Rich on Tech podcast. I don't really have a name for this version of the podcast just yet, but in case you haven't noticed, I kind of launch it on Fridays. You can listen throughout the weekend, and it's kind of all the stuff that I think you should know about that happened in the tech world this week. Now, personally, I just got back from New York City. City, had a great time there in the Big Apple, went to an event for the Points Guy. This is the website that talks all about the points that you can get on your credit card and the, you know just everything to do with frequent flyer points and points from credit cards. And if you haven't visited thepointsguy.com, it's a great website. I've interviewed Brian Kelly who started it. He was fantastic. Basically, he threw a giant party that is kind of like the Academy Awards, but for points. So some of the categories were like best bonus points for a top ranked credit card or you know like all these crazy little things that like travel nerds care about but the average person may not realize by the way the credit card of the year chase sapphire reserve which uh I actually got back in the day when it was giving out that 100,000 point bonus. And it's probably one of the most successful credit card introductions ever since the MX Platinum card. And that took the top honors because people love that credit card. Uh, basically, you pay 450 bucks for the year for the card, but you immediately get a $300 travel credit every year on the card. So if you think about it, it's really 150 bucks a year for the card. Um, I'm a Dave Ramsey guy. You've heard me talk about that before. So I do believe in cash is king. But I do travel a lot, and I've found, especially with the debit card, it is really tough to travel with a debit card. Unless you've got thousands and thousands of dollars on a debit card that's just dedicated for travel, it's really tough. In fact, case in point, the second I landed in New Jersey, the first time I used my credit, my, my debit card at a uh, quick check to buy some coffee, what happened? Immediately it was rejected, and my debit card was shut down. And it was one of those things where like, I couldn't use it for the rest of the week. So I didn't have time to sit there and call my bank to figure out why my debit card was deauthorized, right? Why they thought it was fraud. So I had to switch to my credit card for the rest of the trip, work like a charm until the last day of my trip when I was uh, buying a coffee at the airport, Newark airport, right before I got on my plane and my credit card, uh, it didn't decline it. But as soon as I used the credit card, I got an email message um, from the bank saying, hey, did you just use your credit card at this place? And I said, uh, I just clicked. It said yes or no to click. And I said yes. And uh, I guess my credit card was just fine after that. I've noticed with my bank too, they've texted me sometimes. So they'll say like, hey, press one if you just tried to use your card here and your your authorization for that time will actually be declined until you press one. And then I'll say, hey, ask the merchant to try that charge again. So I think that these cards are getting pretty good at the fraud detection, but they're not always perfect. Case in point, that's why I can't just travel with my debit card because sometimes you do get that decline. And next thing you know, um, if that was your only card, you would really have a problem. So anyway, Points Guide threw a great party. It was a ton of fun. It was in New York City at the um, Intrepid Space Museum. Captain Sully, the guy who landed the um, the uh, plane in the Hudson River was there. He spoke a moving speech. That was awesome. BB Rexa, she performed. It was a great, great event. Uh, thanks to Brian Kelly for bringing me out there and all the Points Guy folks. If you want to see some of my pictures and stuff, check out my Instagram. Uh, what a great event. Anyway, let's move on to some of the stories and let's start with this. The iPhone 10R. 
according to DxO, Mark is the top-ranked single-lens phone. So DxO Mark, if you're not familiar with them, they basically rank a whole bunch of cameras. A little bit controversial on the ratings because they don't necessarily rank every camera or review every camera. Um, and sometimes companies work with them to sort of review the device and get a score that the company can then tout and advertisements and things like that. So take it for what it's worth, but I like their ratings. I think they do a really thorough job of looking at the phones and their cameras. That's all they focus on. And the iPhone XR gets a DxO mobile score of 101 points. So it is now the top-ranked single-camera device they've tested to date. Now, this does not mean it's the top smartphone camera. Right now, the top current smartphone camera, according to DxO Mark, is the Huawei P20 Pro. That gets a 109 score. Next is the Apple iPhone XS Max with a 105, the HTC U12 Plus, Samsung Galaxy Note 9, and some others. But here's the thing. So they have the Google Pixel 2 on their list, but not the Google Pixel 3. So that's where these ratings get a little crazy because... The Pixel 3 is right up there with the best of these, but they just haven't either gotten around to it or Google didn't uh, pay for this this time or, you know, I don't know. I don't know how it works, but basically the reality is when the Google Pixel 2 came out or the Pixel, I forget which one it was, but, you know, they had the rating immediately. It was a Pixel. And so they had given it to DxO Mark before the phone even came out and it got the highest rating ever back then. And now the Pixel 3 is not even on here. So it's kind of hit or miss sometimes, but... With that said, when they do the ratings, they do a nice job of slicing and dicing these phones. So uh, let's see, what do they get? Key, photo attributes, exposure, color, detail, noise, and artifacts. The Apple device that's uh, $750 offers a very similar proposition for image quality as the flagship iPhone XS Max. They do say that zoom and bokeh shots are not as good on the 10R compared to the 10S Max. Of course, they're not going to be. There's only one lens. But they say colors are vivid and pleasant in most test conditions. Um, the 10R tends to veer towards a slightly cool white balance in outdoor pictures with warmer tones inside. And I do agree with that. In fact, I think the pictures on the iPhones, the new 10, uh, 10R and uh, the, the 10S are a little bit warm inside. In, in, in fact, to my eyes, people's skin tones almost look a little orangey. So I don't know. They still have a little tweaking to do on that. The video stabilization uh, when it comes to the iPhone XR is among the best they've ever tested. So um, if you're getting that XR and you want to save you know, at least $250, in fact, Apple has a pretty good deal right now with the XR. They're, they're giving you... They're saying it's as cheap as 450 bucks because they're giving you up to $300 trade-in on your phone, which is like a bonus credit. So I've got my wife's old iPhone 7 laying around the house. I never got around to selling. I need to do that. It's been a while. And um, that could get me, I think it was $250 off of the 10R. So I was thinking of upgrading her to the 10R to give her that new phone experience. And I thought that I would get more than 250 for her iPhone 7, but I guess not. I paid... Gosh, I think I paid 800 for that through T-Mobile a couple years ago. But I guess time flies and phone prices go down. So let me see. What is Gazelle giving on that? Uh, iPhone 7. It is unlocked. I got them to unlock it. But let's see. Gazelle is usually... They don't usually give um, too much on your phone. So let's see. iPhone 7. And I got her a 128 gigabyte. And uh, let's see. Oh, gosh, 165 bucks. Oh, my gosh. That's so sad. 
so sad for something that I paid $800 for. Oh my gosh, I don't even want to see that. Okay, let me close out that website. All right, let's get to a question from uh, Anna J.E. through Instagram. Said, hey, Rich, I'm a huge fan and always follow you on social media and on the news. I really hope you can read this message and give me some advice. I want an Apple Watch, the new one, and I just want to know what are the pros and cons of buying it with cellular? Great question. So the pros and cons of buying the Apple Watch with cellular, you've got the Apple Watch 4, which is the one you're talking about. Cellular is going to run you $499. So the number one con is that it's a little bit more expensive. So the regular Apple Watch is going to be $399 for starters. If you want that cellular capacity, uh, you're going to talk an extra 100 bucks on top of the price. Now, what I personally like about the cellular is the fact that you can now use your watch kind of independent of your phone. And you'll get your text messages, you'll get your phone calls, even when your phone is not nearby. It's kind of a misconception with the, the Apple Watch that it doesn't get calls and it doesn't get texts. Um, it does, as long as your phone is nearby or you're sort of on a Wi-Fi network that is uh, connected to your phone nearby. Now, I, I've noticed that's sort of hit or miss. I'm not really sure if you, I think you get the iMessages all the time if you're on Wi-Fi, but I tried it with the, at the gym with my wife and I, she didn't get her, she did not get her uh, text message that I sent her as a test. So I think your phone still has to be nearby for that to happen. But the reality is the cellular gives you a couple of advantages. Number one, you can listen to music on your phone without your or music on your watch without your phone nearby. So if you have a, by the way, that requires a subscription to Apple Music. So if you have a subscription to Apple Music, you can listen to Apple Music radio stations on your watch with the cellular functionality. And that's pretty cool. I'm a big runner. I love running with the least amount of stuff possible on my body. So that means that just the Apple Watch and some AirPods is a really cool way for me to run because you don't have this big phone that's weighing you down. Other than that, the other advantage is um, the fact that you can go out without your phone. So if you really want to be less distracted in this life, you can go out with just your watch on cellular and you can still get your calls and your texts if necessary. Now, you're not going to have a camera per se unless you bring a big camera. But to me, that defeats the purpose because, yeah, I get it. You can have a nice big DSLR or something like that. But... I'd rather just have my smartphone so I can do everything with it. So I would say unless you have a specific use case scenario for cellular, I don't really see the point for most people or for a majority of people. If you are a runner, if there are a lot of times when you're without your phone, if you have some sort of job that does not allow you to carry your phone with you, you can still stay really connected with the Apple Watch. The other thing is it's going to be a $10 a month charge. So you have to keep that in mind that your watch is now going to cost you $10 and you know so that's an extra $120 a year plus the $100 for the cellular capabilities you're talking $240 just for the first year of your watch that's extra if you want that apple music to stream as well now you're talking an extra $10 a month so that's another you know $120 a year so you kind of have to decide what's good for you the other thing that i'm not convinced i like about the cellular on the apple watch is you now have this cellular device that's literally sitting on your body for a majority of the day. Now, I'm not going to get into the crazy conspiracy theories on radiation and all that stuff, but the reality is uh, these devices do emit some sort of radiation because they are transmitting and receiving signals. And so if you have that cellular antenna sitting on your body, it's just one more thing. So now I've got the phone in my pocket with a cellular antenna, and I have the watch on my wrist with a cellular antenna. Uh, I don't know. It just gives me a little pause. You know, I just like to think about that. 
So good question, Anna, and um, hopefully that helped you decide if you want the cellular or not. But basically, it's more expensive, but it also is more flexible. Speaking of the Apple Watch Series 4, Apple just released Watch OS 5.1.2. And I see the biggest growth with the watch OS. I feel like every time a new version comes out, the watch really starts to get better and better. And now the big thing that's in this new release is the ECG app. So I've not been able to download this to my watch. One of my biggest issues with the Apple watch is that you can only update it when you have your charger nearby. So for me, I don't have a charger at my work. And every time I get one of these new updates, I want to update it while I'm at work, right? I'm on Wi-Fi. I'm sitting at my desk. It would make sense, but no, I can't do it because even though my watch has a large amount of battery left, I can't, I can't update it unless it's connected to the charger. So I've not been able to do this just yet, but I have seen a bunch of stories online. A bunch of uh, tech reporters have been taking these electrocardiograms using the Apple Watch heart rate sensor. So what you have to do is um, you touch the digital crown, which is basically forming, uh, I don't know, like a triangle with your with the, the waveform or the back of the, the crystal on the back of the watch is touching your skin. Plus the digital crown is touching. I think you have to touch like your other hand to the um, digital crown to kind of connect the circuit in your whole body. And then that will take a 30 second reading of your heart rhythm. And it can tell you if you have signs of atrial fibrillation, which is a serious form of irregular heart rhythm or sinus rhythm, which means your heart is beating in a normal pattern. So um, that's really cool. I really can't wait to do this. I want to see. I just had an EKG at the doctor. I'm getting to that age where apparently they request these things of me, or maybe they know something about my heart that I don't, and they're just not telling me. And uh, who knows? <laughs> I hope it's the first. But the reality is that... Uh, this is kind of cool. I'm not sure how often the average person needs to do one of these things, but it's fun that it's there. It's useful that it's there. And if it finds something with your heart rate, that could be potentially life-saving. The other neat thing is that the watch is sort of just tracking your heart rate in general. So uh, you can have the ability to receive an alert if an irregular heart rhythm appears to be atrial fibrillation is detected. So it sounds to me like in addition to the ECG waveform, it also kind of monitors your heart rate in general to just see what's happening with your heart on a regular basis. And this kind of makes sense in the future. I feel like we're going to have this a lot more where we just have these little devices on us that are monitoring us at all times. So that's really cool. Other things that are improved, they have now direct access to movie tickets, coupons, and rewards cards in your wallet for NFC. So when you tap those to like a contactless reader, you can use those. You don't see that very often, but I'm sure more and more of these companies will support that. Like I was in a CVS the other day and I wanted to use my reward card. I can see that being one of the use case scenarios where instead of scanning it, you just tap it to the little reader at the checkout and your CVS, you know, what do they call it? Extra care or whatever is transmitted to the receiver. So you don't have to type in your phone number. You don't have to scan your card number. You don't have to tell them your card number. You just tap your Apple watch to the contactless reader and you can transfer your um, code to them as well. Also, another thing that's improved, there's some new infograph complications for mail, maps, messages, find my friends, home, news, phone, remote, and you can manage your availability for walkie-talkie from the control center. Uh, I haven't used walkie-talkie too much. I do have one friend that's on there, and we did it the first day when we both uh, you know, upgraded our Apple Watches, and we haven't used it since, but I always wonder if he can just literally walkie-talk me at like any point of the day how that would work, but we haven't really used it since. So if you're using it, let me know. It's a cool feature in theory. 
Uh, I think it would be fun if I had my wife on board. We have not set it up, though, so I guess we don't find it that useful because it's one of those things that you have to put in a little bit of setup time to get it up and running, and then once you have it, maybe you'd kind of get it into your um, routine, but I find that I just text most of the time, so I kind of forget that the walkie-talkie's even there. Dana Leach writes to me on my Facebook page, My elderly parents want to view Netflix. They have internet but not Wi-Fi. Once we get them a Wi-Fi router, what would you think is the best way to get them streaming? Fire Stick, Roku, or a DVD player that has Netflix with other options? They're not the most tech-savvy people. It should be easy for them to use and not have a buffering problem. I'm interested in your thoughts for the older generation. This is a great question, and my number one recommendation uh, for sure, Dana, is the Fire Stick. So Amazon just came out with a brand new Fire Stick 4K, and the reason why I like it is several fold. Number one, you don't actually need to have Wi-Fi to use it. You can get a um, Wi-Fi adapter or an Ethernet adapter from Amazon, and you can connect that to the Fire TV Stick and... That way you can use the Fire TV stick without Wi-Fi. So you don't even have to buy them the router, which is nice. That's number one. Number two, the Fire Stick uh, TV uh, 4K or Fire TV Stick 4K has this really great remote, which is a universal remote now. So whatever TV you're connecting this to, the remote will also control. Plus they can use their voice to call out things that they want to watch, which is really nice. Netflix works really nicely on the Fire TV stick. And um, I think that it's just a cheap, simple way to get in to the streaming business for your parents. So um, the, buffer, the, the reason why I picked the Fire uh, TV stick over the Roku is you said it should not have a buffering problem. Now, the Roku is fine. And of course, the Roku does great. And a lot of people love that device. Personally, I think that the Amazon Fire TV is the best when it comes to figuring out what type of stream you have coming in and making that look the best on the TV. So Apple TV has gotten better over the years. Maybe my internet has just gotten faster, but I feel like there's a lot of buffering problems on the on the Apple TV compared to the Fire TV stick. Fire TV stick kind of adapts. It will ramp up as it gets a better connection. And I think if your parents have internet but not Wi-Fi, they're gonna be just fine if they connect this with the adapter and by the way, that adapter is only like 15 bucks. So the Fire TV stick itself is like $40. So you're talking, you know, $55, you're all in. And by the way, Amazon's been having some crazy sales on these things. So you can get this Fire TV stick probably as low as like 40 bucks, or I mean, even cheaper than $40 that it sells for. And it's easy to connect. This is the thing that I have my mom using. She is a whiz on it. And Roku's great, but I personally think that uh, Amazon's platform is a little bit better to me. I like it. I think that the home screen is a little bit more crowded. It's a little bit busier, a little bit more going on, but I think your parents actually might like that because it will suggest things from Netflix for them to watch right on the home screen. And I think that might be useful to them because they don't seem like the folks that are going to be searching Netflix for all kinds of stuff. But if Netflix is presenting them on the home screen some items to watch that they might like, I think they might like that. Plus, they'll also get Amazon Prime. If they have a membership to that, they can get recommendations for that. And there's a lot of free stuff to watch out there. So I think that's the way to go. DVD player, uh, I think you'd be better served with the, the Fire TV stick. And I think they're going to like it. Good question, Dana. Thanks so much for emailing me at my website, richontech.tv. 
I thought this story was pretty interesting as someone who has used the Google News. Um, I don't even know what they call it, but basically when you get in your car, you can say something like um, H-E-Y Google, what's the news? And I actually curated my own little station for this where it would play about six or seven short form podcasts all about technology. So I can get into my car, say that code word, and next thing you know, it would just start playing, basically to me, a customized radio station just filled with tech news, which I thought was really cool. So I can listen to my Tom, uh, my friend Tom Merritt doing daily tech, uh, tech news show. I can listen to what is like a little update from CNBC that I'd listen to. I'd listen to a couple other items as well. Um, and it was really cool. And I thought that was great because it kind of reminded me of Stitcher, which was an app that I love that lets you string together your own radio station filled with podcasts. And I always did short form podcasts because that's what I want to listen to on my you know 20 or 30 minute drive. I just wanted a bunch of different things instead of one longer podcast that has its place in my car, just different times. So when I'm driving to work, I want to get right to the point, right? Well, Google is now doing this thing where they are actually using artificial intelligence to help basically craft a custom audio news station for you when you ask assistant, what's the news? So for starters, they've got participating news partners, including American Public Media, Axios, Billboard, CNBC, CNET, KQED, New York Times, Newsy, Hollywood Reporter, USA Today, and all these other ones. I wish Rich on Tech was on there because that's what this originally started as. My podcast started as a kind of a Stitcher five-minute podcast that you can pop into your Stitcher playlist, right? And it's gotten a little bit longer over the years, but that's kind of my idea was, you know, do people like these short little podcasts that they can listen to? Well, apparently they do. So now Google is using artificial intelligence to come up with this audio news playlist assembled on the fly. So when you ask Google for this information, you'll get a briefing of top stories and updates and topics that you care about. Then it will eventually get into longer form content that gets kind of more into stories. So this is pretty brilliant. You can ask the Google Assistant at any time, what's the news? And it will start doing this. And I think that's smart because a lot of people probably never set up the station like I did. I took the time to say, hey, these are the things that I want to listen to when I say, H-E-Y Google, what's the news? And I'm sure you can still do that, but now they're just going to get smarter because Google knows so much about you, what you're into. And I imagine they're using cues from all kinds of different things, including Google News. So if you're using that Google News app on your phone, they're using some of the cues they're getting from that as to what stories you click on, what stories you like. And already they have a For You News tab. Now this is just sort of the audio version of that. It's brilliant. It's smart. Um, but on the flip side, it does lead us uh, down further into that world of silos where people only hear their point of view that they want to hear. They only hear the topics that they want to hear about, and we're not exposed to different things, which is a problem. Uh, even for myself, uh, I used to read the Wall Street Journal sort of cover to cover back when I was working in New York City and other newspapers over the years. And guess what? You're exposed to a bunch of different stories that you would never look up on your own. I would read these great little pieces about stuff that was so random and I loved it. And nowadays you discover those, but not as much. And it definitely takes a lot more work, takes a lot more effort and also you kind of have to want to do it because if I'm you know, busy during the day and I see a story that's totally off topic, I may bookmark it to read later or I may just pass it over. And I love the idea that, we're, you know, that we used to be able to discover a lot of stuff that editors used to put on a piece of paper for us to look at.
and I get it. I'm not saying that the world needs to go back to newspapers, but it was cool that next to a story that you wanted to read, there would be a totally random story on a topic that intrigued you that you would never normally look up. So anyway, check out the uh, future of audio news, as Google is calling it, on the Assistant. I'm going to try that as well and see how see how it does. I wonder if I can see, I guess you can't go back and forth between if you customized it and non-custom. So I've already built my custom playlist. I wonder if I have to delete that to get this this new uh, AI version from Google. All right, moving on to a question from Ginny Villa. Hey, Rich, uh, I have a tech question for you. I'm looking for some kind of app or website or software that lets me do simple graphic design for my little business. I don't want to do anything fancy or complicated. I have a tutoring business. I like to leave tips and memes on my Instagram and other social media that doesn't always use photos of students studying. I'd like an outlet to make some of my own. Can you suggest anything? I also bought your book. It is great. Thanks for your help, Ginny Villa. Well, thank you, Ginny, for buying my book. Yes, it's on sale. 101 handy tech tips for the iPhone. It is selling great on Amazon. Uh, it's one of the number one guides for the iPhone, if not the number one, depending on when you listen to this. Amazon updates their sales hourly, so I'm always checking and seeing to make sure that I'm up there. But uh, a lot of you have been buying it, so thank you in advance for that. But Ginny, to answer your question, a couple of apps that I like. Number one that comes to mind is Adobe Spark Post. This is probably the gold standard for these apps. And this is a great little free app that, oh my gosh, you will just be amazed at how much you can do with this app. So they have little templates that you can use and you can customize them or you can build your own. But it's all geared towards social media. It's all in an effort to help you build those posts that the professional businesses build they take a lot of time and energy and money and effort. You can do it on your own, on your phone. They have it both for iPhone and Android. I was just showing my sister over the weekend when I was in New Jersey how to use this thing a little bit more, and she was just amazed. She's like, I never knew you could do that. Oh, my gosh, that's so cool. And you can also use your own photos, or you can use photos that they have in a free photo library, which are great. They have tons of them. Or you can use patterns. I mean, it's just unlimited. Adobe Spark Post, it's amazing. It, you will love it. That my only tip is just make sure that you um, remove the there's like a little watermark that they put on if you don't share the app, I think, on social media. So you, all you have to do is tweet about it once and you can remove that watermark. I, that was the way they did it a long time ago when I first signed up. Maybe they've changed that, but that's the way I did it. I hope that's still the case because you don't want a watermark on every one of your photos. Otherwise, I think they charge you 10 bucks a month if you um, want to get rid of that without tweeting about it. The other app that I really like is called uh, Canva, C-A-N-V-A. Very, very similar, Canva, C-A-N-V-A. And um, again, they have a website. I think they have an app as well. And you can do the same thing, very similar. They have a bunch of templates that you can customize with your own stuff or use theirs. And the way they get you is some of the little pictures that they that you put in your thing or icons or whatever might cost you like a dollar to add that picture to your little post and that's how they make money so canva and adobe spark post the other one is buffer is really handy buffer stories it's called this is something that's brand new and buffer is kind of a social media management app they just came out with stories creator which helps you create stories on your desktop and you can then post those to your instagram stories all right, uh, if you like winning money online or on, uh, I guess, through video games, Trivia Live is now a new game from Trivia Crack. 
Trivia Crack is one of the uh, fifth most mobile, fifth most played mobile game in the world. I've played this. It's fun. It's like a little trivia game. Well, now in the spirit of HQ Trivia, they now have Trivia Live. And so it's a real live game every single night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Just started on Wednesday, December 5th. Trivia Crack for iOS and Android is the app, but you can play live. And there's 12 questions. You get 10 seconds to answer each question. And right now, the winner is uh, getting $500, or the winners split $500. So if there's 100 winners, you're only going to get five bucks. But it's kind of fun. And, um, you know, it's a single question elimination. It's very similar to HQ Trivia. I have not played this yet, but I definitely will. And I think it looks like a lot of fun. And, you know, HQ Trivia started out with a smaller prize, but then it kept growing and growing. I, I have a, a feeling that Trivia Live will do the same thing. So, again, Trivia Crack is the app. Trivia Live every day at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So that's 4.30 p.m. Pacific if you're listening in California. All right, two more things to talk about, then I'll let you guys go, but uh, it's the year-end, so you know what that means. Every single website has some sort of year-end list, review, interactive thing, whatever. I find these to be so thoroughly boring, but people love them, and it's like, okay, the top song this year was something by Ariana Grande. It's like, okay, we get that, right? But Spotify has this thing. It's called Spotify Unwrapped, or no, SpotifyWrapped.com. W-R-A-P-P-E-D, SpotifyWrapped.com. And once you log in with your Spotify, they give you all kinds of analytics about how long you listen this year. For me, it was 25,000 minutes, your most popular albums, your most popular songs, artists, all that good stuff that doesn't really do you any good. Like, who really cares? Um, I mean, maybe you'll find this interesting. You can challenge me on that. But I find it to be kind of boring. Like, I don't really care that I listen to um, whoever I listen to the most this year. Like, I just, that doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> um, but the thing that I thought was pretty funny is, I don't know which account, I guess it's because I listen in my car. Whenever I pick up my kids, I always turn it to Kids Bop Kids. And so basically everything on my list for the SpotifyWrapped.com all had to do with Kids Bop Kids. It was like, your number one artist of the year, Kids Bop Kids. You streamed a lot of Kids Bop Kids. It's like, okay. So I feel like their algorithm should be smarter than that to figure out that he's, this guy is probably not listening to Kids Bop Kids for his health. He's probably listening to it for his kids. So maybe we'll wipe that out and just go to the artist that we see him listening to. But nope. Anyway, if you want to check that out, SpotifyWrapped.com. By the way, most streamed artist in 2018 was Drake. 8.2 billion streams. Again, like what does that number mean? Like, I, I don't know. Like who cares? 8.2 billion. It could be 20 billion. I don't, I don't really have a benchmark for that. It's tough for me to understand what 8.2 billion means. I get it in the fifties. Maybe that was a lot, but now it feels like everyone's streaming anyway. Uh, rounding out the top five post Malone, Ed Sheeran, Ariana Grande, most streamed Dua Lipa, Cardi B. So there you go. I mean, it's all the artists that we know this year. I do like this though. Instagram, uh, everyone's going to be making that top nine for 2018. So if you want to do the top nine tool, it's a little different this year. There's a million of them out there, but one of the big ones is top9.co. And you can do this as an app or you can do it on their website. It's from Beta Labs. But this year is a little different because you have to put your email address in. So they're always slammed with so much demand for this thing. And so you pop in your email address along with your username for Instagram. And next thing you know, you'll get an email 
when they have your top nine ready. Now, I did this an hour ago. I still don't have my email with my link. So I imagine that people are going to probably turn to other websites to try to you know, get theirs faster. But top9.co is always a good one. I would tell you what my top nine are, but I haven't gotten it yet. So I don't really know. But I always like that. And it's always, again, I mean, that it's kind of interesting depending on what you do. For me, it's always like the Christmas card from last year that I posted on Instagram or, you know, your birthday picture or, you know, it, it, you kind of know what's going to be the top nine. It's like your most popular pictures from the biggest dates of the year. Maybe there's a surprise in there. Maybe there's not. But anyway, that's how you do it. Uh, the thing I do like and I do recommend if you're going to use any of these things from Instagram, I would say look for one that does not require authorization. That means you do not have to sign in with your Instagram account to let this tool do its job. So when I did this top9.co, they did not say log in with your Instagram account. All it asked for was my username on Instagram. So they can just go look at all my pictures, see how much likes I got, see how many comments I got, and then work their magic. The ones that ask you to log in could be shady. You never know what they're going to do. They could end up hijacking your account. So I do not recommend that you use any of these tools that make you log in. Spotify one actually does make you log in, but it's made by Spotify. And I don't know why they did that. Maybe because I wasn't logged in on the website, but um, just be, be aware of anything that makes you log in with your account. Just understand what you're doing. All right, that's going to do it for today. Uh, thanks so much for uh, all of you that have purchased my book so far, 101 Handy Tech Tips for the iPhone. It is on Amazon. It's in paperback. It makes a fantastic gift for the holiday season. So if you know someone in your life that uh, needs a little help with their iPhone, you just want to give them kind of some basics, but also some cool, smart knowledge that they can use and also share with their friends, get them a copy of the book. It's on Amazon. It's like super fast shipping. So you get it like in a day or so. It's big. It's You're getting your money's worth because it's a thick book. When you get it, you'll be like, wow, this is like substantial. This is, this is like over 400 pages that Rich wrote. And it's all very easy to understand. I made it super simple. And it's just like me talking to you. The way I'm talking to you right now on this podcast, that's the way I'm talking to you in the book. It's, it's written in a super easy, friendly tone. And I don't take anything for granted. So I don't just sit there and say like, all right, change the Wi-Fi settings on your phone so that you, you know, can forget an old network. No, I explain like from the start. Like where do you go? What does that mean? What do I mean when I talk about this? So if you have someone in your life that's perhaps a little bit older... Um, at, it's a really good book for them. If you have someone who maybe is new to the iPhone, it's good for them or even yourself. I've gotten people who are, you know, um, expert iPhone users, you know, people that said on my first book with the reviews that said, you know, I was an expert, you know, I thought I knew everything there was to know about the iPhone. And next thing you know, I read this book from Rich and, um, I learned a lot, even me, someone who knows everything, or I thought I knew everything about the iPhone. And by the way, I did get a review on the new book. It's kind of annoying because on, on Amazon, all the reviews of my old book don't really follow through the new one, which I guess sort of makes sense, but this is a revision. Um, but uh, let's see, what did, uh, let's see, Jeff says, this is a great book with great helpful tips. I bought one for myself and a couple others for gifts, highly recommended. Thanks again, Rich, for all that you do to help us with tech. And by the way, if you're ever in Pomona, you got a free lunch coming your way. All right, Jeff, thank you. <laughs> so thanks for the review. If you buy the book, definitely review on Amazon because it, it helps. People want to know like, hey, I see this book. Is it legit? Is it the real thing? Be honest. Let people know what you think about it. All right, richontech.tv slash book if you want to learn more about that, or you can just go to Amazon and search 101 Handy Tech Tips for the iPhone. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, share it with your friends, tweet it out, make sure you 
tag me so I can retweet or restory or whatever you do. If you put it on Instagram, tag me. Just make sure I know so that I can give you some love. Thanks so much for listening. You can always find me at richontech.tv. I'm Rich Demiro. I'll talk to you real soon. Yeah.